and grab out your Bible, something to take some notes with. Uh, If you want to, you can pull up the VHC Victory Church app on your iPhone or Android. Uh, It's in the the app store and you can follow along. We have a fill in the blank in the app. We love that. I love fill in the blank because I just, I don't, I can't focus as much. And so I like having those blanks to just kind of pop in and pop out. Uh, So if you want to use that, you can. I told you last week, we are in what we call Summer at Victory. And that is we study throughout the year as a church, we study the Bible in series. So we talk about different topics or uh, different books of the Bible or a character study. But then in the summer, we kind of have this uh, kind of one-off each Sunday, kind of standalone messages, talking about some things that maybe don't need an entire series, but it's good for us to address, talking about some things that aren't really connected together. Now, saying all of that, I want to continue... Uh, just for the second week on a similar theme. It's not a series, everybody. It's a theme, all right? So pray for me because I got preacher's disease. So I want to continue on a theme from last week just to kind of tie the two weeks together. Uh, and so I want to uh, talk about this idea of faith a little bit more because I think we, we talked about it last week about what to kind of expect, but I want to flesh that out. Uh, I want to give you a few things you can expect. So week one of our Summer of Victory series, we talked about Paul. How Paul said, I am going to Jerusalem and I don't know what's going to happen to me there. I only know that the Holy Spirit is leading me. He said, I'm compelled to go. And he said, I do know one thing, and that is that there's going to be hardship and prison ahead of me. He said, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what victories God has for us. I don't know what things are in store. But all I do know is it's going to be really hard, really painful, and I'm going to prison. That's what Paul said. But he said, I still set my focus. And so we talked about how in the life of faith, we have to set our focus on where God has called us. That we have to set our focus, not knowing what steps seven, eight, or nine are going to be, but just taking steps one and two because God has called us to take steps one and two. So we talked about what that looks like in our journey of faith. And so today I want to flesh it out a little bit to let you know kind of what to expect once you take that step. Because faith can be a confusing thing for a lot of people. Faith can, can feel like a confusing thing in this journey that we're taking with God. And oftentimes we don't even know what to expect or we don't understand what steps one and two might even be. So I'm going to give you three characteristics of the action of faith. And the framework for the story, we're going to use my good buddy Moses, because I love Moses, uh, out of a story and a moment that I think a lot of us know really well. I think we know this moment, but we're going to use this kind of a framework to look at what faith actually means when it comes into our lives. And I love the Old Testament. I am fascinated by studying the children of Israel uh, in their journey from captivity in Egypt uh, and then going through the desert and the wilderness and then finally eventually landing at the promised land. And I think it's a beautiful picture of our own New Testament journey as Christians of where God brings us from where we are, brings us through in redemption uh, and freedom, and then brings us into what he has called us to be. I think it's just a beautiful image of sanctification there, an echo in the Old Testament. So I love studying it. So today I want to go back to the chapter 3 of Exodus, uh, to a story of Moses at the burning bush. This is where God is calling Moses uh, into ministry. It's where he's calling him, honestly, late in his life, to go back to a place Uh, That was full of pain and betrayal for him. And so we're going to look at this in chapter 3. God says to Moses, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. And so we're going to talk what that means in just a moment. But you must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. I love how God has a moment for all of us. I love how God has a purpose for all of us. Because I truly believe every single Christian, every follower of Christ, God has a purpose for your life. To do something, to change the world in some way, to reach out, to reach people. God has an orchestration for your life, your path that you should follow. God has things for you to accomplish. And so there are moments in your life, and you may be able to draw one to memory right now, where God had that moment where you felt maybe a vision or a a small glimpse of what it could be that God was calling you to. 
And so it might have been maybe at a youth camp or maybe you were driving in your car or maybe uh, you were just having a conversation with somebody, maybe in your prayer closet. Maybe you were just out one day just doing normal things. You had that moment where God calls you, where God has this, this image he drops in your mind of, hey, I could do that or, hey, it could be this of that thing that you want to build, of the family that you want to create in the image that God has for the family, of that marriage, of that relationship, that business you want to build, that ministry you want to start. All of us have that moment where God calls, and this is Moses' moment. That Moses is, And I think it's fascinating that in Moses' moment, this is he's being called to go back. He's being called to go back to a place of pain, back to a place of betrayal, back to a place, honestly, in his life that felt like he felt like a failure, but he's called to go back to bring these people out of bondage. He's called to go back. And all of us have moments or places like that. You may have a place that you had or you walked through that was full of pain or full of problems or full of what you felt was a failure. And I just pray that today as we kind of talk about what steps of faith look like, that God would just encourage you, that God would bring a word maybe. And it might not be like Moses. It might be something specifically for your life. But I promise you God has a purpose for you. That God has something for you to accomplish. So the actions of faith, you need to know. If we're going to take these steps, you need to know kind of what to expect. So jot it down if you're taking notes today. The first one is the actions of faith. What God asks you to do is always possible. What God asks you to do is always possible. Always See, sometimes as believers, especially believers who believe in signs and wonders and miracles, sometimes it can get a little confusing or a little, uh, honestly, it can get a little bit, um, well, confusing is probably the best word I can use for it. I'm going to go through that. Because we believe in signs and wonders. We believe in, if you're new to victory and you are wondering where we stand on that, we believe the God of the Bible, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he still works wonders, that he is still moving, he is still the supernatural God. And so signs and wonders should follow the lives of believers. But oftentimes in that we confuse our part and God's part. Oftentimes we say what we believe, but then we go back into actually practicing our faith, stepping out in what called us to do. And we confuse our part with God's part. So as Moses standing before the burning bush, God tells him, I'm going to give you three signs that you can give to the children of Israel so they'll believe that you are a good leader. They'll believe that I sent you, uh, that you're actually going to bring them out of bondage. You're actually going to do what you said. I'm going to give you signs to show them. And so the first one was the staff. He said, I'm going to give you this staff and you're going to use it. And this is interesting because I brought to you today a visual aid. And if this looks familiar, this is because this is the only thing I can find when I'm looking for visual aids around here. So I have used this guy a few times because it's just a useful prop. But today, this is an authentic Hebrew staff, everybody, all right? This is, in the Hebrew, staff actually means quick connect at the top. That's what it means. <laughs> you can make this a spear or a broom or whatever it is you want to make this into. Anyways, God, God calls Moses and Moses has his staff. God's going to give him these signs. And so he looks at Moses and he's like, the staff in your hand, I want you to drop it. I want you to drop the staff. And then it, when he did, the Bible says, when he dropped the staff, a little louder than I thought it was going to be. When he dropped the staff, the Bible, I love this part. The Bible says it turned into a snake. And then it has a little verse there. It says, and Moses ran from it. Come on, somebody. And it just, I love the Bible includes, come on, it's biblical. It is biblical to go ahead and run from Louisiana people. We understand this, right? We understand that it's a biblical. So he says, pick up your staff. He says, hold it out, drop it. And Moses ran from it. And then he has him pick it back up. And it turns back into a staff again. He has Moses catch the snake by the tail. Now, that's not the message today, but just think about that for a little bit. All right, just go. When he dropped it, it turned into a snake. But see, the problem for so many of us is we don't realize that this action right here is easy. 
It's easy to do. This action right here, that what God told Moses to do, what God calls us to do in faith, what God calls you to do to step out in faith, often is physically simple. It's easy to do. It's always possible. What God calls us to do is always possible. This action, honestly, I'm pretty good at this action. I drop things all the time. I don't know if you guys are like me, any klutz in the house. If you are like that, I drop my keys, I drop my phone. You should see my phone case. Like we just, it just, I drop it all the time. This action is pretty simple. But too often times we confuse our part with God's part. So while this is simple to do, while it's easy to drop the thing, oftentimes we think there's more we need to do. Like God called us to drop the staff, but then suddenly we begin to think, well, now I need to turn the staff into a snake. God's not calling you to turn rods into snakes. God's calling you to drop what's in your hand. God has given you what he's called you to do. The supernatural part then belongs to him. And too often times we confuse that. So we think the life of faith is calling in us to do the supernatural. That we are the ones that need to make all of this happen. That God just sits back and watches us and thinks, I really hope that they pull off the supernatural this time. I really hope they, you know, figure it out. They know whatever the incantation or whatever thing is. I really hope it works out for them. No, God has called us to drop what's in our hand. God has called us oftentimes what he calls us to do. Oftentimes it's simple. It's always possible. Because we can witness to somebody. You can talk to someone and share the gospel. But it's God who brings a supernatural conviction. And makes a change in their life. It's God who brings salvation. You can build the business and have the ministry. You can reach out. But it's God who brings the healing. It's God who brings people out of their addictions and those things. We are just the hands and feet. We bring the word of God. But it's God who does the supernatural. What God calls us to do is always possible. And so I think we need to have that understanding in our faith. Because here's a big part of the Christian life that we mess up. Because in the book of Luke, watch, it says this. It says, for nothing is impossible with God. And I think too many times in our Christian faith, we want to live the life of faith for God. We want to live it for, we say, we pray prayers like, God, would you just take this trouble out of my life? And would you just fix that part of me? And God, would you just do this and take that relationship away? And God, bring me out of this storm and do all this so that I can have a perfect life and then live this life as a really good Christian for you. And God said, that doesn't work like that. That's not how the life of faith works. Anybody who's walked through anything knows that's not how the life of faith works. God says, in those moments... In that time of trouble, in the fact that it's happening, in those moments, we actually are asking God to make us God so we don't need him anymore. Paul did this in his life. He prayed this prayer. He said, take this thing away. He said, he doesn't tell us what it is, but he said, I prayed three times. Lord, would you take this away, this, this thorn? Would you take this away? Would you take this away? And God's like, it doesn't work like that, buddy. It's not, it's not like that. He said, actually, in your weakness, my power is made perfect. That when you're at your weakest is when God's power is the most evident. That we're asking God, take away all these things that would help me grow. Take away all these things that would help me rely on you. And God's like, that's not what the life of faith looks like. And that is a hard concept to accept. If you read that story from Paul's writings, or honestly, you've ever come across this in the life of faith or studied this, that is a hard concept to get. And it's fairly simple, but it's hard to accept. That God's power would be made perfect in our weakness. That we can't be, we're not gods to ourselves. That's not what the life of faith looks like. That we would somehow become so perfect we no longer need God. But actually those things we walk through drive us to depend on him. To realize that he needs to be for us what we cannot be for ourselves. That's what salvation is, that Jesus had to die on the cross. That we could not pay for our sins ourselves. And so it's such an incredible idea of this life of faith that we are depending on him. That his power is made perfect in our weakness. That you run into those moments where God is all we have. And so we have to learn to rely on him. I want to take you to Zechariah chapter 4. Again, a little bit later in the Old Testament. 
Chapter 4, verse 6, though, it says, this is what the Lord says. It's not by force nor by strength. Some of you read, it's not by might nor by power. It's not by force. And if you've ever tried to force anything like that, if you've ever tried, you know it's, you cannot force it. That you cannot build, like we can do some things in life, but we cannot build spiritual momentum. Not under our own strength. We're not the ones who are doing the healing. We're not the ones who do the supernatural. It's not by force or strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. By my spirit. And then watch this. He said, there's a hard work element, but God brings the spiritual. He said, do not despise the small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And he's talking about the temple there. That they had destroyed the, the former where the large kind of foundation site of where the temple sat. And so when they poured the new one, and you can read this in the Old Testament, when they poured the new site trying to rebuild, the new foundation was so much smaller than the old. They could look from one to the other. They had seen and they looked and they're so much smaller. And the ones, the old men, they said at the crowd who had seen the old temple in its glory, who had seen the size, began to cry. While everyone else was cheering, the new foundation had done, the, the old men began to cry because they had seen how great the other one was. And it says you couldn't distinguish the crying from the shouting and the cheering. They just mingled together. And God said, don't despise small beginnings. I rejoice to see the work begin. I wonder what dream God has placed in your life. I wonder what calling God has for you. Not to build some costly temple or something, but what has God called you to do? What has he called you to reach? And I would just encourage, don't despise small beginnings. Because too many times we look at those things. We look at the ministry God called us to start, or we look at the relationship or the family we're supposed to build, or the marriage we're supposed to just strengthen, and we look at what all these things we're trying to do, and we'll despise small beginnings because we feel like it's not doing enough. We feel like, well, it's just, it's day one, and I'm not reaching hundreds of millions of people, or it's, it's, it's day one, and my kids haven't completely come back and respected me and done all the things that I called them to. It's day one, and my company hasn't exploded across the nation. It's day one, and it's just not happening And so we despise small beginnings. And God said, I just rejoice to see the work begin. When God calls you to something, to step out in faith, don't despise small beginnings. Don't think it's not enough. God's called you to start. He's called you to take a step. It's always possible. And yesterday we had the second day of the marriage conference at I was just so encouraged. We had people who had been married more than 50 years here, and I just honor that. Just incredible, incredible testimony. And then we had those who were newlyweds, been married only a few months or a year. And I love seeing that contrast because we had the ones just pouring wisdom and had gone through it and done it. But I loved seeing those young ones who just said, I'm getting married, and we're going to build this thing on the rock of Jesus, and we're going to start it right. And I would just encourage you, we don't look down on that. I'm going to celebrate beginnings. I'm going to celebrate what God is going to do because you see the potential that's laid out in front of them. You see those who have done it and come before, and then you see those who are going to do it right, and we celebrate it. Let us never be a church that would put down small beginnings or say, well, if you haven't done it for 50, 60 years, then it doesn't. Let us celebrate those, that God has called us to a purpose. God has called us to do these things. What he calls us to do is always possible. It's always possible. The second thing I want you to know, jot it down if you're taking notes, actions of faith are so often painful. Always possible, but oftentimes they are painful to walk through. Oftentimes they are painful. They cost us something. You see, if we go back to the staff again, this is just a stick to us, right? This is just a broom or a mop or whatever, but not to Moses. Not to Moses in that moment. This is to Moses who he is now. This staff represents who he is, right? And so we remember Moses, and you could talk about financial security. He worked with the sheep or whatever it is like that. That's not what I'm talking about. More than any of that, this is who Moses is. Because he had a moment in his life, years and years and years before when he was in Egypt, he had a moment of believing, I'm going to be the deliverer for my people. 
I'm going to be the one that brings them out. I'm going to be the one that does this thing. I'm going to be the one that leads them out of Egypt. He has that moment and then he fails so spectacularly he has to flee. And now years and decades later, this is who he is. He's a shepherd. He's not the deliverer anymore. He's a shepherd. He has his stick. He has his sheep. This is who he is. And God calls him to throw it down. Moses doesn't know if he's getting his staff back. Like the bush is on fire. Maybe the staff is going to be on fire. I don't know. Like, I don't know. He doesn't know what's going to happen after this. God's not like throw it down. It'll turn into a snake. Grab the snake. It'll turn back into a staff. And that'll be great. And you'll go on and be the deliverer. That's not what God does. God just says throw it down. And then he waits to see what Moses is going to do. And in our lives, God calls us to things. He has steps of faith for us, but he's never saying this is step one, two, three, four. This is how it will all end. And I really hope you like that. Let's go ahead and do it. That's not how God works. God just asks, are you willing to throw it down? Are you willing to throw it down? Now, this is who Moses is, is this identity. And so this is a sacrifice, something big to give God. This is going to pay. But I have learned that God is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. That we have to let go of some things, who we think we are, what we feel like we have built our identity to be, that we take such pride in. God's oftentimes going to ask us to lay that down. And I promise you it will be better. God has a better plan for your life. But in that moment, oftentimes it is painful. So I just ask you, maybe begin to think about this. We're going to kind of circle back to this in just a moment. But what are those things? Is it identity? For some people it is. Is it Money and finances, is that sacrifice? Some people, it is. What is it that God's calling you to lay down? What's in your hand? Chances are it's going to be painful. Your road to your destiny, the road to the influence, the road to the promise God has for you, I promise you it is lined with sacrifice. That God is going to call you to let go of some things that are very, very painful to let go of. But what he has for you is better. Oftentimes, it's painful. I'm going to take you to the book of Jeremiah. This is kind of a reflection of the moment. And this Jeremiah, after years of having to give the word and being rejected, after years of having to sacrifice his, honestly, standing in society, having to sacrifice his, any friendships or any things he had. And this is Jeremiah talking about this. And he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering. I remember the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. But watch how he strengthens himself. He said, yeah, I call this to mind. And therefore, I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed for his compassions never fail. Then he goes on and he says, and great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Jeremiah is saying that, that he's lived in that, in that life, that these seasons we learn the faithfulness of God. How sometimes he'll take us through painful seasons. How sometimes he'll ask us to walk through some things. And oftentimes he'll use those things to nudge us in the direction that we're supposed to go. And honestly, almost every time, and I would say every time, that direction is to run to him. It's to run to him. Because there are painful moments. I would just ask you, what is he calling you to lay down? What do you have to walk away from that maybe you thought defined you in order to pursue what God has for your life? And then we learn this last principle of faith. And that is always progressive. In a life of faith, if you're going to expect that, if you're going to take a step for God, oftentimes, most of the time, it is progressive. Most of the time there are steps. The promise that God has in your heart, it doesn't happen overnight. Moses doesn't throw down the rod and then suddenly appear in Egypt and then the next day they're in the promised land. That's not how God works. As much as we wish it were so, that's not how God works. 
No, he says, throw down the rod, and now he's going to take you. It took three different miracles for Moses even to convince the children of Israel that he was a good leader. Like it took, that God had sent him. It took three different, it took ten plagues to get them out of Egypt. It took 40 years in the desert to get all the negative people out of the church. Come on, somebody. Just <laughs> Some of y'all get that later. That'll be for its sake. To... But then we read in Exodus chapter 23. We've gone years now. And watch this. They're about to go into the land that God has promised them. They're about to see the fruit of all the way back on that day when Moses threw down the staff. This promise that he has. And God looks at them and God says, I will not drive this, the inhabitants of the land. I will not drive out the enemies and the animals and all the things you need to drive out. I will not drive them out in a single year. Because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. And watch this. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Little by little, I'll drive them out. You know, if God gave you everything that he had for your life, every promise, every purpose, everything, if he dropped that on you, every person that would rely on you, every relationship, everything that would happen when you had grown in your faith, if he dropped all of that on you on day one, it would crush you. And I think sometimes we despise small beginnings, but we don't realize we're not at the place with our character or with our strength and with our faith in God to even be at the late beginning. We're not even at the late end stage end. We, we haven't grown enough to handle. And if God dropped that on you at day one, it would crush you. And you would probably do more harm than good if you weren't ready to go. Because sometimes, sometimes your ability can outstrip your character. Sometimes your ability to take you further, but your character can't prop it up. And so God is preparing you. And so for the children of Israel, God prepares them. And he's saying, I'm not going to do it all in one year because it would be too much for you. But little by little, I will drive them out. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be with you along the entire journey. But little by little, this thing is going to happen. And so it's oftentimes in our life to learn the lessons of faith that it is progressive. That we have to learn faithfulness in the midst of it. That we are faithful in the small beginnings because that's step one and step two. That God is calling us to a purpose. And I want to tell you today, Galatians chapter 6, as we kind of close today, it says, don't get tired. Don't get tired. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. One translation says, doing what is right. Don't get tired of doing what is right. Because if you hang on, watch this, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Listen to me, church, don't give up. Even in small beginnings, even in steps of faith, maybe you're stuck at steps five, six, seven. You're stuck somewhere in the middle and you're getting tired of doing what's right. You're getting tired. But don't give up. See, I get tired of always reaching out to people. I'm getting tired of having to share my faith. I'm getting tired of having to treat people the way Jesus treats me. I'm getting tired of having to respond in situations like a Christian instead of the way I want to respond. I'm getting tired. But the Bible says if we don't give up, we'll reap a harvest of blessing. That's what's waiting. And so don't get tired. Don't give up. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on the business God has called you to. Don't give up on the ministry God has called you to start. Don't give up on those things. Because if we don't get tired, we'll reap a harvest. The Bible says don't give up. If we don't give up. And so as we close, two questions I have for you. Two questions in this life of faith. Simply this, what are you holding on to? All of us have a staff. It might not be a quick connect physical Hebrew staff. It might not be that that's in your hand, but all of us have something that we're holding on to. All of us have that thing that we feel like defines us, that identity we feel like we cannot live without. That thing that we feel like we could never, ever let go of. And many times in our journey of faith, God will say, will you lay it down? What do you have? Question number two, then, are you willing to let go of it? 
If we're going to live the life of faith, if we're going to say we are people who follow after Jesus with all of our hearts, if we're going to live it, what are we holding on to so tightly and are we willing to let go? Because I am convinced that there is nothing that God can't do with people who are willing to let go of the things we think define us. People who are willing to let go of the things we think are so important, willing to open up both hands and say, God, I'm willing to let go of it because I know what you have in store is better. I'm willing to live the life of faith because I know where you're calling me is better. I won't give up because I know that the harvest that's coming is better. What are you holding on to? Are you willing to let it go? Every head bowed today as we close. I just want to pray a prayer. I just want to pray that God would give us his perspective about the things that we hold so tightly, his perspective about what life is really about, his perspective about the harvest. I want to pray he would give us encouragement that we would stay in the fight, that we would live the life of faith, doing what he has called us to do, to see God's hand on our life, that the journey of faith, it takes twists and turns sometimes, but I promise you at the end, you will look back and see God's hand on your life at every season. God redeeming situations, God moving and orchestrating, God putting his purpose into every single opportunity. First though today, I want to pray for some people. Maybe you're here or watching online and you are far from God today. And you say, it sounds all nice. I believe God would have a purpose. It sounds great to live a life for him, but I'm so far from him. And I don't know maybe how you got that way. There's a lot of different ways. Maybe you were hurt by somebody or maybe something went wrong in a season and you felt betrayed or you felt like God betrayed you. And so you ran from him. Or maybe you've never even had a even relationship with God. Maybe you've never had that moment. Wherever you are right today, I, I don't know where it is. I don't know how you got there, but I can promise you one thing. And that is that God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And that he still wants you. Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. And he rose again, the Bible says, so that anyone can call on the name of Jesus and be saved. Anyone. I promise you, it is never too late to live the life that God has called you to live. It is never too late to step into his purpose for you. It is never too late to run to Jesus. Today, I want to give you an opportunity. I'm not going to make you stand or come to the front. I'm not looking to embarrass you in this moment. I'm looking to connect you with Jesus. And so we as a church, we bow our heads. We're not looking to take you to a separate room after service. Right now, you can make the decision. And we're going to pray it with you. Nobody prays alone. But if you want to make that decision, say these words. And church, let's pray it with them. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin, all my mistakes. I surrender to you. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life in Jesus name. Now, Father, I thank you for this church today. Help us, Lord, that we would follow you in every step of faith on this journey. God, we thank you that as we do our part, that it's your job then to do the supernatural, that you have said it's you who does the rest, God. It's by your spirit. And so I pray, Lord, give us the encouragement. Give us the strength to step out in faith, doing what you have called us to do. And then, Lord, I thank you for what you're going to bring. I thank you for the change you're going to make in our lives. I thank you, Lord, that you are always with us. Thank you, Lord, that you are our protection and our rear guard. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one who watches over. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. And great is your faithfulness to us. Lord, we pray that. And God, I ask you as we take these steps on this journey, 
As we progressively, God, step into what you have for our life, I ask you right now, Lord, keep us strong and in the fight. Lord, let us not give up because we know a harvest is coming. Lord, let us not give up because we know there are souls to win. Let us not give up because we know you have called us to this time and this place and you have placed us, Lord, to make a difference in the world around us. So let us not give up. I pray, God, just strength and encouragement as we take these steps of faith in our life with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray as a church. And all of God's people said amen and amen. Come on, can we give God praise for what he's done today?